0: What I'm going to speak about today is something that is so much in my heart and uh, on my heart. And I'd, I'd, I would be able to spend days on the topic, but we're not going to do this. But I want to speak today about demystifying the will of God. And I had to look in the dictionary because I know I knew what I wanted to mean by demystifying, but I want to know what it actually means as well. So to demystify is to make a difficult subject clearer and easier to understand. And I want to do this about the will of God, about discovering the will of God. We somehow have this belief that uh, God's will is discovered through extraordinary circumstances. Like you need to be in an extraordinary place, like maybe on a mountain, somewhere in Himalayas, where the presence of the Lord is a bit... Uh, More, (laughs) There's more of God in that place. And then we're waiting like in a thunder for God to say, this is my will for your life. You shall do this and you shall do that. Or maybe we we expect for a talking donkey or a little cat or our pet to say, no, God told me that you should do this with your life. Or maybe sometimes we're waiting for an angel to come from heavens, like thousands of angels, and in choir singing, this is the will the Lord has for you, I'm not going to sing. But we're expecting for something extraordinary to happen. Or maybe sometimes we hope for fire from heaven, and then when we read with those flames that are created, it says this is the will that God has for your life. Some of us might expect a person coming from a different continent that we didn't know it exists yet, that the world has discovered, saying, I had a dream, and in my dream there was you, and God told me that you should do this with your life. Can I just say that this is not the usual way how God reveals his will for our lives? That's why I to speak about demystifying. It's easier than we think. It's easier than we think. And the question is that how do we understand what God's will for our lives is? The problem with having this sort of approach to discovering the will of God is that all we do is wait. We're waiting and in a way going all in for that one particular moment for that one special moment in our lives when we'll understand everything God wants us to do. And all we do is wait and wait and wait, and nothing happens. We grow older and older. We, we go through stuff in our lives, and still we're waiting for that one moment. And then we're like, why, why don't I get anything, God? You know, We might even quote Jeremiah 29. Like, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, and so on, which is a good verse. But if you're a bit like me, you would say something like, uh, God, I know that you know the plans that you have for me, but is it okay if I know the plans that you have for me as well? No, that would be cool. No, I know that you know everything, you're the Lord of Lords, but could you maybe tell me as well? <laughs> okay, we, we're okay with, the, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, but I'd rather it's saying, I will tell you the plans I have for you, <laughs> says the Lord, plans to do this and that. But anyway, we're, we're having this verse, which sort of, because we're, we're a bit like, God, I want to know what I should do or the will that you have for my life. Then we quote the verse and this keeps us for a few more months, you know, until we quote the verse again and we quote it again and again. And then we just move on like this in life and all we do is wait, nothing happens. And then we look at other people who seem to have got it. We look at some of our friends and they're like, okay, God, what did you reveal your plans to them and not to me? Or we get maybe a bit jealous because we see them thriving, we see them being successful in a way, we see them being happy and fulfilled into what God has for their lives, and then we're like, God, what about me? Why don't you uh, tell me anything? Then we're unhappy, we're discouraged, and ultimately we'll just become in a way average. The point is that if we don't walk in the calling that God has for our lives, we'll become unhappy and will not be fulfilled. Statistically speaking, 36% of employees would give up 5,000 pounds a year in salary to be happier at work. And that, that's big. You know, for some people, this means half of their salary. You know? They'll just give give up, give it up just to, just to be happier. And then again, statistically speaking, the three factors contributing to job satisfactions are job security, opportunities to use skills and abilities, and the organization's financial stability. What does this say? These statistics show us that our aim at work and wherever is to be happy and to be fulfilled. And what ultimately fulfills people at work, it, money motivates, so of course there is the financial side, but an opportunity to use the skills and abilities. And this is how we've been created. You'll be happier at work if you will use the skills and abilities that you have. And obviously with the financial motivation, you'll be the best. And another statistic says that happy employees outperform the others by 20% just because they're happy, just because they feel fulfilled at work. Now, it's the same for us spiritually speaking because it's how we've been created by God. If we don't have opportunities to use the gifts that God has given us, we are not happy, we don't feel fulfilled, and we'll ultimately sort of become average because we're just waiting for that moment when an angel comes and says, this is the will I have for you. In Romans in Romans verses, in Romans eleven, so the last verse of chapter eleven says, "For from him that's Jesus and through him and to him are all things; to him be the glory forever." Amen. Therefore, so because of that, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual offering. Do not be, we know this verse, right? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renew of your mind, that by testing you may discern that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, the good and acceptable and perfect. How do we discern the will of God? By testing. And you see how simple it is. There's no you need to go around the church for seven, seven days on your knees. There's no like angel coming from heaven. There's no fire, thunder, donkeys or pets. By testing, <laughs> by testing, you will discover right. and you will discern what is the will of God. This is what we need to do. I have an example to show you. So I brought some items from my kitchen, which as Pastor Mark said in the first service, there aren't too many. Like, it it not, might not be my greatest skill, cooking. Actually, I, I made really good pasta the other day, honestly. <laughs> right, so I want to you to, to, to imagine that this is our lives, okay? This sift. I call it sift. I know you say sieve as well, but if I say the sieve, it sounds like the sieve. So, I would say sift, okay, <laughs> just, because, just because of my accent, if that's okay. <laughs> All right, I don't see where the coin is. Can I have a coin, please? Anyone? Someone stole your coin. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it was only 20p, right. <laughs> All right, we'll not go there. <laughs> right, so, this 20p, I want to imagine that it is your potential. When God created you, he has placed something in your life. Is that true? You, we all agree with this, right? Every single one in this place has potential, has a calling, has a talent that God has placed when he created us. The problem is that as we move on in life, we go through different things. Sometimes it might be some of the bad moments and experiences we go through. Sometimes it might be sin and some of the addictions. They just come on top of our lives. Sometimes it might be some bad relationships and suffering and hurts and they just go on top of our lives and they choke the potential that God has given us and many, many, many other things. You know, the the older we get, the more things we experience and the harder it will be in a way to discover what God has placed in our lives because this is how life is. It's not our fault. It's It's just what it is. No, life is not always easy and life is not... All is pink if you want. But the thing is that even in this moment, in this example, the potential that God has placed in your life is still there. Come on, yeah. It's there right now. Yeah. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter how much good. you've sinned, no matter how much you've been through things, the potential is there. Yeah. It exists because God has placed it. He created you with purpose and on purpose. So he has something for your life. And the thing is that we have this messed up life sometimes, things happening, but the potential is there. And what we usually do is wait. <coughs> we're just trying to discern without testing. So we're just staying here and saying, God, what is the plan you have for my life? And then we just wait. We want say, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. So, right, that's cool. But what do I have to do in this case? Yeah? I just sift it, shake it, as Fru as says. I'm just going to shake it. <laughs> so what I do is that, as Roman says, by testing you may discern what the will of God is. And th- there are two things happening when you do this. First of all, you'll get rid of everything that is choking your potential. It might be some bad relationships, it might be some sin, some addiction, <coughs> some stuff. And we sift and sift, we shake and shake. And at some point, you'll start to notice that there is something that God has placed in your life. It's not only like, looks at 20 feet, might look at two pounds, that's not the point. But the more you sift, and the more you try, and the more you test, the better you'll discern. Until you get to the point where you see, wow, God, I didn't know that this exists in my life. Because there's been so much mess in my life. I've done so many things. I've been busy with so many other stuff that I forgot to look. And I was quoting the Bible and waiting for angels instead of just testing. Because by testing, we'll discern the <laughs> will of God. And if there's, if there's one thing I want to remember today is this, when it comes to discovering the will of God, testing must precede discernment. When it comes to discovering the will of God, testing must precede discernment. This is the most important thing we can just try, just examine, just try different things. You know, God gives us, all of us, gives to all of us something. And I want you to believe this thing, no matter What you think about yourself You have potential You have a calling And you have a mission from God Each one of us And we can find it out The way we do it is by testing We will discern What the will of God is We only focus on discerning Without testing Because discerning sounds And seems a bit more spiritual And therefore we will undermine The effectiveness of testing The will of God Just examining and trying Different things So don't underestimate this Imagine your life once you discovered what they will have got for you is, what do you do with this now? Because that's the other question, right? Right. I discovered. What do I do now? You know what you do? You invest it. Come on. What you do now, you invest. You might know your identity, but your next step is to invest it and give all your life to this. And there's this parable in Matthew 25. We know about the parable of the talents. It says, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. The master gave to each according to their ability. Now in this parable we have a master to whom everything belongs. The servants are his, the, 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 the property is his, and the talents are his as well. Because he gives to each one of his servants as he desires in a way. And what happens here is that he gives different amounts to each of the three servants. Because it says he gives to each according to his ability. Which means that if God gives us something, he gives us according to our ability. In other words, if if he has something for us to do, we can do it. It is possible, it is achievable, and it is realistic. We can do what God has for our lives. We can fulfill the mission. We can walk in the calling that God has for our lives. Mm. Because he gives to each one of us according to our own ability. The amount entrusted to us is defined by our ability to handle it. The amount that God entrusts to us is is defined by the ability that we have to handle it. To whom much is given, much is asked from him, okay? But the point of this parable is not the amount given to all three of them, but rather that they all received something. And with that talent, that talent was not just a gift, but also it was a responsibility. There was a responsibility that came with the talent that he gave to them. So he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid. Hid what? His master's money. So we have two different sort of attitudes here. The first two servants went at once and traded, and they multiplied what was given to them. The second servants, the third servant went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Again, the the money wasn't his. Matthew Henry said a true Christian is a spiritual tradesman. A true Christian is a spiritual tradesman. Trading is business. Business is active. There's exchange. There's investment. If I want to make more money, you invest it and then you'll get profit. That's how, in in a simple way, uh, it works. Now, if I want to say, uh, I want to give 1,000 pounds and I'm expecting 100% uh, profit from it, what would you do? How, how would you do it? Like, if right now we're doing this. What you could do is to just give me £1,000 immediately. So I I'm said, I've done my job. I just matched what, I, what you gave me. And then I said, okay, I'll give you £1,000 more. Do it again. And you're just giving me money from yourself. So you're just adding and matching what I'm asking. But we know that if you continue like this, you'll ultimately be poor and have nothing else. Left. So if I'm asking you again to give me 100% of £1,000, you'll have nothing left. It just makes sense. So one of the things that I discovered for the first time in my life until now, this week while preparing this message was that God doesn't ask us to add 100% more to what he has given us, but he asks us to invest 100% of all that he has given us. Because we develop not through addition, but through investment. We develop not through addition, but to invest. Which means that if God has potential for my life, he gave me something, I'm not going to add 20 more P. I'm going to invest this 20 P. And the profit will be bigger. It will will be never ending. Because I invest, there's profit, I invest, there's profit, and so on. It just multiplies and it grows. So our calling in life is not to just add more things, it's to invest everything. Imagine, uh, I am an average piano player, so I can play a bit. I like to think I'm good, but I'm average. So so if I want to become good or great piano player, what do I do? I'll tell you what I don't do. I don't go on the golf course and swing the, swing the golf club. And I don't try to learn how to use the sewing machine. Why is that? Because it's useless if my aim is to become a great piano player. And it's the same with us. If you have to invest what already there's already in you. If I'm to be a big, great piano player, I invest in what I already know, that little knowledge and those little skills that I have, I invest in them. I'm not going to invest in learning how to play golf because it's like these things don't work. It's the same with the potential God has for your life. Your skills your abilities invest in what God has placed in you already. We say be who you are and I love this. I genuinely like this. I would like all of us to live by it, the only thing I would change is be all that God created you to be. Yeah. Be all that God created you to be. And then I'm going to invest all my life into the new new creation that God transformed you into. And this is what we should invest all you are in who you are and in, in, in who you have, you have been created to be. Don't try to be someone else. Don't try to be a good golfer like me. Like Joe tried for him so many times to teach me. It just doesn't stick. It's just, and you know what? I'm so cool with it. I'm so fine with it. And it's, it's, it's a few months since I'm saying this, that I need to be, in my life, good at one or two things. Discover my potential invest all I am. My time, my energy, my money, my all. To so that potential I got from my and That's what will produce growth? And that is what investment is. I'm not adding more skills. I'm investing all that I am. I'm investing all that God has placed in my life for His kingdom. And I will definitely see fruit of it because that's what, who God is. You know, the only thing that, uh, uh, God, that I want you to remember as well is this God has given gifts to each one of you. And I, I know many people say this, you hear it on any tele and evangelists, but this is true. God has given to each one of you, and I would name you by name if I would know all the names, God has given you something. And we have both the responsibility and the ability, remember? Giving each other according to their own ability. So we have the responsibility and the ability to do it. It is possible and we can do it. So yes, be all that God created you to be and invest 100% of the world that God entrusted you with. Let's not be like the third servant. Because he tried to play it safe. He tried to play it safe. So the master comes back from the journey, and he says he came to settle accounts with them. He who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I made five talents more. Now that's boldness. He came back. I, I go in front of you. I fear nothing. I have invested <laughs> what that you have given me. His master said to him, oh, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will say to you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who has received two talents came forward saying, Master, deliver me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. So these guys were bold. These guys were like waiting for the master to come back, saying, I feel nothing, just let him come. I've done my thing. But note this the master didn't call them successful. The master didn't call them successful, even though they obviously were successful. They have made, they have made profit 100%, right? What the master measured and defined as a win was faithfulness. What God rewards is not titles or positions, but servanthood and faithfulness. Yes, the numbers are good. It's good to be successful. It's really good to be rich. I'm not saying it's bad. But what God will look at at the end, when you face him, will look at your servanthood, heart, and your faithfulness. This is what matters. This is what yeah. the most important thing. God rewards servanthood with faithfulness, not titles or positions. The master says to his servants, You have been faithful over little, I'll set you over much. To whom did the master say this? To the one who had five talents or to the one who had two talents? He said it to both. Yeah. Why? Because the master, the master didn't look at how much they brought, he looked at what they did. Yeah. You have been faithful in little. Yeah. Five and two is both little in this parable. And he will say them over much. Five and two are is little because comparing to the great reward that is waiting for us in heavens, no matter how hard it is for us to walk in the destiny that God has for us, is little. Yeah. And this is good news. Because which means that when it's hard for you, when you can feel like you cannot bear it anymore, in a way it's little compared to the great reward that God has. And in this moment, the Bible says God has, has a treasure and a reward for each one of us, for each of his children, and he himself is protecting it and guarding it and keeping it for all of us. In other words, even statistics show that employees are happy when they are financially motivated and using their skills and abilities. It's the same with God. He wants us to use the potential skills and abilities that he has placed in our lives, and there will be a reward as well. Now, that's really great. These people just learned about these statistics. God created us like this. We will be happy when we use our skills and abilities. And we'll be happy when we're motivated. And God is doing both things for us. Every single one in this place will be rewarded for what we do as well. Now looking at the third servant, we see a different attitude. He who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where he did not sow and gathering where he scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. He says, Master, I need to be a hard man. Where does this come from? Was the master a hard man? Was he like the third servant describing it? Because we just read, Well done, good and faithful servants, come in the joy of my master, of your master. And the third servant says, I need to be a hard man. You know what? Actually, he didn't know. He assumed. And he assumed because he didn't know his master. And the, the thing with the third servant is that his lack of knowledge led him to wrong assumptions, and the wrong assumptions led to the wrong decisions, namely, he'd hide the talent in the ground. Because he didn't know his master. The other two knew him, and because they knew him, they knew what to do. They had the, the right assumption about the master, they had the right knowledge, and therefore they did. They, had the, they took the, wrong, the right decisions. It's the same with us in God. If we know God, we will always make the right decisions. When we don't know God, and we have wrong assumptions about Him, our decisions will not necessarily be the best. That's why I'm speaking of demystifying the will of God. We, we grow up, and I grew up at least, assuming that I need a special moment to discover what God has for my life. And I lived my life like this. <clears throat> but then I read the Bible, <laughs> spend time with God, and we see that actually by testing you may discern. So once I know that it is possible for me to discern the will of God, then I'm, trying, I'm taking the right decisions. And I'm going to hide what has given, God has given me. I'm going to invest it and try and trade and becoming a spiritual tradesman. Everything I know, everything I can, I'm just going to give it for God in His kingdom. I'm trying different things. If I'm bad at golf, I don't care. I know, I know what I'm not good at. So it's still a win. And if I'm good at something, I'm going to invest all I am in that, in, in that thing. And the master the master called him wicked, slothful, and worthless. And that's a bit harsh. He's called him slothful. You slacker. You lazy person. You didn't do what I asked you to do. What did the master ask him to do? Was to invest. So let's say that the master would say something like, you thought that I'm a bad man and blah, blah, blah. Why didn't you invest the money at least? Like, you could have done that at least. And what the third servant should have done it's what the first two have done. And that was... Invest. The master didn't expect him to bring five more or two more. He just wanted him to invest what he has given us, what he has given to him. And then if you look, the third servant says, I was afraid, so I went and hid your talent." You see what a big role fear plays in our lives yeah. when we fear things. And I, I did a, a little survey, some weeks or maybe a couple of months ago, and the question was this. What are some of the obstacles that stop you from discovering the, God, the will of God in your life? You know what number one was? First of all, it was uh, low self-esteem. And second one was fear. Now, if you think about this, why do we have low self-esteem? We have it because we don't know who we are in God. Because once you discover who you are in God, you'll be confident and bold. You'll feel nothing. Like, yeah, sometimes it's hard, but I'm going to be who God says I am. And then fear. Why would you fear anything if you spend time with God? But fear pushes us to do things that we shouldn't really do. And the third servant says, I was afraid, so I hid what you have given me. Do not be afraid to invest what God has placed in your life. Do not be afraid to step forward. Do not be afraid to just hatch out of the shells that are around your life or to try things and sift through through things. Do not be afraid because God gives us according to our ability. And when he does something, he knows what he's doing. God is not like, oh, I've done something, now I'm sorry. He's not sorry for anything that he is doing. So to conclude, I want to remember this. When it comes to discovering the will of God, testing must precede discernment. Just try things. Yeah. Just place yourself in, in environments where you just try different things. It's okay if you're bad at something. That, like, that's so okay, really. Like I'm happy when I discover I'm bad at something because that shows me what I shouldn't really focus on. Right, it, 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 yeah. it's, quite, it's quite simple, but it's, there's loads of wisdom in there. I'm not waiting for it to all be thrown on me, this is what you should do. That's not how it usually happens, but I'm going to try different things. I'm going to go in different contexts, I'm going to try different skills, just to have a bit of an idea of what's inside of me. And I am telling you, once you discover your potential, you'll live fulfilled and happy. You'll be fulfilled no matter what happens in this life. Because happy people will, will outperform people that are not happy at work. Imagine spiritually. Yeah. When you discover who you are, you discover your skills or abilities, then like nothing will stop you. I can speak a bit from experience. I'm so happy and full of joy. It's not always easy, but who cares? Like, alright, if if I have to do something, God knows I have the ability to do it. And I fear nothing because I know who I'm in Christ. I know what I can do for God. And he will reveal step by step step more things as I try different things. Because by testing, we will discern. Now, The thing that I want us to go out with is this. Before discerning, we must test, which is looking for opportunities. Start by looking for different opportunities and options to discover or develop your skills and abilities. So first of all, test. Secondly, discern. Only after that, we focus on discerning. Because by testing, we will discern. So then, that's when you identify your potential. That's when you know who you are in God. That's when you'll have a... Your eyes will open spiritually. and say, wow, I didn't know that I can do this. And then, after you've done... After you discern, invest 100% of whatever, no matter how much or little is in your life, invest all of it in God's kingdom. And the fruit will come. The fruit will come. How do we do this today as a church? That's why the Volunteer Expo... Exists. It was packed in the first service. It was like <laughs> it went so much better than we expect. That's why I had to print so many more papers. The volunteer expo—it's 26 different opportunities to test, discern, and invest your skills and abilities. The, the idea of the volunteer expo is not mainly to get more volunteers from the church, because it's not that—that's not what we're all about. But it's about you becoming happy and fulfilled in using and developing the skills that God has put in your life. You might identify your potential just by trying different things. 26 opportunities just now, in the next five minutes, you'll be able to go there and try things. Visit the expo. See what's going on in the church. Probably some, most of us in this place didn't know there's 26 ministries or teams or things that we can do as a church. And there's more because some of them are bundled together. So we have opportunity right now to test and discern. To test and discern what the will for God, what the will of God is for our lives, and I can speak from experience. When I try different things, and I've I've been trying so many things in my life, even if I'm just twenty-six and seven, uh, I, I discover what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. I did volunteering before I went to high school. I did discipleship schools. I did worship school. Imagine that. Worship summer school, two years in a row, I actually went to. And I have a diploma to prove it. Now, that reveals things, because there was a test at the end where you had to compose and sing. I did rapping, so that, that's easier. <laughs> I actually did. Right, that's honest. But, I, you know, I tried different things. I tried piano, flute, drums, preaching, and leading. And I tried so many things until I discovered I'm good at one or two things, and that's so good. It feels so good because I'm going to invest all my life in that one thing, and I'm going to live my life for that one thing. And you see, that's why we're calling it demystifying the will of God. It's easy, possible, achievable, and realistic to discover what the will of God is for your life, and you have the ability to do it, and God is going to honor this by rewarding us at the end. It's a huge, 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 huge reward because he looks at our faithfulness and our servanthood, at our titles and positions kay god bless Brilliant.